Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. 2021 is nearly in the rearview mirror and I have the same panel as I had last year, a wonderful panel full of award-winning mixed martial arts journalists. You got Mark Raimondi of the award-winning ESPN MMA team from uh, this year's World MMA Awards. Mike Bond of the 2015 award-winning MMAJunkie.com team. How flattering, right? Uh, Sean Alshadi of the uh, MMA Fighting uh, award-winning MMA team. And of course, this year's top MMA content, of course, produced by Brian Campbell, Luke Thomas, and the gang over at Morning Combat. What, what an honor for, uh, for BC and the gang. Uh, thank you guys yeah. for joining me. Thank you. The you pleasure is all out, Yeah, you better not edit out any of our good jokes either. Well, I did last year. I had to edit out one of your Gina Carano jokes last year. So, you know, let's keep it PG. All right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that, Brian. Uh, you don't have any good jokes, so none to edit out. Oh, <laughs> shots oh, fired wow. already. Wow. Well, speaking right. of shots fired, why don't we talk about the fight of the year? We might all be in agreement here, but uh, a, a year of fights that were – you know, really had a lot of great candidates, but I think one stood out above the rest. Let's start with you, Mark. Uh, what was your fight of the year in 2021? There were actually uh, quite a few, and some even uh, on the back half of the year that I liked a lot, including, you know, of course, Alexander Volkanovsky against Brian Ortega. But how can I not choose Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler? I was there. It was a bloodbath. It was an awesome fight. It was back and forth. Chandler was in trouble. Gaethje was in trouble. Just a uh, a... a symphony of violence that fight was so that uh that is my fight of the year gagey versus chandler yes lots of trouble to go around there will be trouble as principal seymour skinner oh no sorry as george w bush said hw bush on the assumptions oh there's gonna be trouble all right we'll go uh next to you mike uh who's your fight of the year yeah ditto uh to mark's pick we were both sitting there on press row that was the first ufc event i'd be in cage side for in a very long time and, and like that one just stuck so firmly in the mind it was so insane the environment in the arena just heightened it even more um yeah like i, I think that's the layup here probably one of the easier choices we're going to make today in my opinion all right bc well, if this is the layup, I might as well blow it and shoot at the wrong hoop. Look, uh, Chandler Gaethje could win any year. It actually was basically a number one contender fight on top of that, so there was much meaning. But uh, Volkanovski Ortega is the fight of the year. Five rounds, championship fight. Uh, the combination of dramatic, action-fueled you know, ebbs and flows with you know, some technical fighting at the highest level. Both guys showing a ton of guts. And I think most importantly, while... Gaethje Chandler had ridiculous expectations, and you could argue it lived up to or maybe even, you know, uh, exceeded them. I don't think anybody was expecting Volkanovski-Ortega to be maybe a technical duel, but not this level of blood and guts and warfare and, and just manhood. There was a lot of man in the cage that night. And, uh, you know, uh, I normally take it personal when people get these awards wrong. Any of you that voted for uh, Jorge Masvidal over uh adesanya in 2019 i'm still holding it against you but i think i got this one right even if i'm in the minority masvidal over adesanya yeah that's a horrible pick anybody do that that's a horrible pick. it never happened so I, who's gonna pick that i think he means for fighter, fighter of the year oh fighter, fighter of the year i thought you said fight of the year i was gonna say no, i mean this didn't no. that didn't go down so you think using masvidal versus uh over adesanya for fighter of the year was that was the incorrect pick that was a horrifically incorrect pick, and everybody fell for it. I don't know what was wrong, and I was very happy to be the minority outlier here, as I am again in this fighter fight of the year breakdown. Thank you. I feel like if there was a round of the year, the, the third round of uh, the Ortega-Volkanovsky fight is, is definitely a front-runner fight of the year. I mean, it had its lulls, but then again, it is a five-round fight. Uh, let's go to you finally, Sean. 
Yeah, man, I have to side with the majority here. I mean, Chandler Gaethje, for me, I know some will argue like BC just did, Volkanovski, Ortega, or even Holloway, Rodriguez, either of those featherweight fights. But for me, the 15 minutes, the pure sprint that was Gaethje Chandler for those 15 minutes, I, that was edge-of-your-seat type of stuff, whereas those other fights, it was more round-based, like some rounds, you know, the guys took it off. It wasn't as exciting. For Chandler Gaethje, uh, it was just 15 minutes of all-out excitement. And to me, that, that's the easy pick here. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. You know what? I went back and watched it, and it was actually better the second time around. Like, I, you know, I was in the arena the first time. I wasn't, uh, you know, press row. That wasn't my office for that day. I was in the back. But uh, when I watched it at home a week or two later, it, it really held up and actually was more exciting for me. Uh, any hipster picks? Anyone want to put up their hand with a hipster pick for a fight of the year that, uh, you know, nobody's really giving much consideration to? Anything come to mind? One, one that I loved was uh, Jeff Molina versus Irie Killing. It was, like, really early in the year. But it was like, you know, it's not one that's really on anybody's radar. That's a deep cut, though. I'll that give you that credit. Cut. Yeah, that's my hipster pick of the year. Fighter of the year. Uh, why don't we start off uh, at the, uh, we'll, we'll do a reverse snake draft. And start with you, Sean. What was your uh, fighter of the year selection for 2021? To me, this is probably the easiest one on the whole entire board. And, and it was made easier on the final UFC pay-per-view of the year, right? Because it came down to Kamaru Usman and Dustin Poirier, if Dustin was able to win on that final pay-per-view night. Didn't happen for him. So for me, it's Kamara Usman. He is the number one pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the sport. It was a stellar year for him. Three fights, three title defenses. It's He's the man. He started the year as we didn't really feel like a lot of people still weren't sold on Kamaru, just maybe as, you know, this this figure, this historic figure that he's becoming. But at the at the end of the year, I mean, people are having legitimate conversations about where he stands against George St. Pierre. It, it has to be Kamara Usman. All right, BC, you're up. Yeah, it's Kamaru Usman. I'm glad we got it right. Poirier was going to make things difficult had he won. That's a legitimate debate. And I also think, hey, let's obviously throw some positives at Charles Oliveira, who had an incredible year. But Usman had three victories. He turned himself into a dangerous finisher. And when you're the pound-for-pound -pound number one in the game, to hold that up against a hungry group of people coming after you, you know, you want to discount the Masvidal win? Okay, well, he had three total wins, and he finished Masvidal in ridiculous one-punch fashion. So it's Usman with a bullet. Mike Bond. Yeah, it's got to be Usman. Uh, I think Charles Oliveira, you know, if that Tony Ferguson fight had happened 18 days later than it was, uh, people forget it was in December of last year and are, you know, trying to count that towards his year. So if they had been there, I think we would have been having that more legitimate conversation about Oliveira. And of course, Aporia had won, but obviously Usman had an incredible year. Um, you know, it wasn't exactly 100% dominance, you know, the Gilbert Burns fight. He did have some rough moments. Colby Covington took a couple rounds off him. But I think overall, the fact if you get any champion who can have three title fights in a year, let alone three title defenses, that is a remarkable feat. So I think that put, puts Usman pretty clearly on the top of this list. All right. And uh, Mark Raimondi. I really thought that if Dustin Poirier had found a way to beat Oliveira, of course, the UFC 269, he would have been the guy. That would have been an all-time great year. Two finishes of Conor McGregor and then winning the title in December. But it's got to be Kamaru Usman, of course. I mean, I would even put his knockout of Masvidal among the, the knockouts of the year because of just the, the stunning way that he, he beat him with that right cross. I mean, just the, the sweat flying off Masvidal and the way that the way that he finished him. But it's, it's Usman, you know, knockouts of Usman, of, uh, of Burns and Masvidal. And, of course, that win over Covington, that was that was competitive. But, you know, 3-0 and and... He's the best guy in the world right now. He's pound for pound king. Well, we're going to have a near consensus here, but I'm going to go off the board. 
Uh, and I'm going to go with Charles Oliveira. And the reason why is because if you look at the fights that Usman had, the fight against Masvidal, who expected Masvidal to win that fight? I don't think really anybody did. He put the exclamation point on it by knocking him out. Gilbert Burns, another pretty big underdog, former training partners. Burns had a great first round against him, but Masvidal, or sorry, um, Usman was able to get the finish there. And then the third fight, he beats Colby Covington, but not even as emphatically as he beat him the last time. Charles Oliveira, last year when we did our picks for lightweight champion at the end of 2021, nobody had Charles Oliveira. He was in the mix, but then he comes in, Beats Michael Chandler. I don't think that's, you know, the most impressive accolade, given that Chandler has lost, you know, big fights before. It was his second fight in the UFC. But then, the win over Dustin Poirier, uh, and the way that he did it, and made it, I wouldn't say made it look easy, but was able to find the flaws in in, uh, Dustin Poirier's game. No storybook endings in MMA. Everybody's looking at Dustin Poirier. He's the uncrowned champion. This is going to be his year. That's not the way things work in MMA. I'm going with Charles Oliveira. I don't think people expected him to be where he is today, and that's why I believe he's the fighter of the year. Only two fights, like you guys mentioned, rather than three. And uh, I think it was you, um, Mike, that mentioned the, the Ferguson fight. Had that been 18 days prior, you could have included into this year's resume. But even without it, I still think that he is the uh, fighter of the year in 2021. Uh, so last year, we did our picks for champion uh, at this time um, when we made the predictions last year. In terms of the strawweight champion... We had uh, three of us, myself, Sean Alshadi, and Mike Vaughn selected uh, Jean Veli, and uh, Brian and Mark selected Rose Namajunas as their uh, champion. So they, they were correct. Good on you guys. Good, solid predictions. But let's, uh, let's tee it up for this year. Mark Raimondi, who is your pick this time next year for the women's strawweight champion? I'm going with my pick from last year. I think Rose Namajunas keeps the title. She wins all her fights in, in 2022, and, and she's the... 115 pound champ at the end of 20 uh, at the end of the year next year. All right, uh, Mike, you're up. Yeah, I tend to agree. It's Rose. Um, this Carlos Esparza fight, which you know Dana White coming out and telling ESPN, uh, you know, this week that it's gonna we're gonna be getting that rematch. I think that's gonna be a trickier fight for Rose than a lot of people are expecting, but I do expect her to get through it. And then I think she's probably through the most difficult part of her schedule, having already beat Zhang Wally twice. So I don't know what's gonna come after Carla. She does have a second title defense this year, but I think she is likely gonna be favored to win that as well. She seems like she's just in such a good place where she needs to be much more. So mentally than her first title reign. I think, you know, this is going to be the one that lasts a little while. All right, BC. I think it's Rose, and I think she's finally figured out how to be consistently great rather than selectively great. And I think that she's the female fighter of the year. She'd be up there against Kayla Harrison if we had that category. But I think she is in the UFC. And I also think, uh, you know, you look at these two wins, she might be, you know, third place for fighter of the year in my running as well with Charles Oliveira coming in second. So just an outstanding year for Rose, and I don't think she's stopping anytime soon. All right, and uh, who else we got? We got Sean, Sean Alshadi. Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and make it unanimous. The way that this strawweight division is sort of constructed right now, Mike's right. I mean, Carla Esparza is the big challenge left for Rose. I love that fight. It was baffling to me. Maybe not baffling, but it was very odd to me why it took so long for, for the UFC to finally land on that fight and settle on it. But I'm glad we got to there. And I think as long as Rose can get past that fight, the rest of that year, the rest of that division really doesn't look that menacing for her. I mean, Marina Rodriguez is out there, but I, I just don't see that as, you know, a really viable threat for Rose. She's beaten Joanna twice. She's beaten Zhang twice. I think Rose ends the year still with that belt. 
I'm with you guys in terms of Rose. And I, I like what you said there, Sean, in terms of Marina Rodriguez. I think that could be the one matchup that could give her problems. But Marina Rodriguez is kind of at the latter stage of her career. And if that fight goes to the ground, I think that Rose is going to have a lot of advantages there. We'll have to see. But I think Marina would probably be the only real threat to her uh, at this point in time. But, you know, we've seen strange things happen, of course, in mixed martial arts. Last year, flyweight division. All of us took Valentina Shevchenko. Put up your hand if you do not believe Valentina Shevchenko will be the champion at this time next year. And then if not, we can just move on. All right, consensus. Valentina Shevchenko. Well, can I can I ask you a question related to this? You sure is this can. the year we is this the year we finally find out how good Tatiana Suarez is? Because I think that's the only one left at this weight class that you can make a case for as being competitive in a title fight against the current champion. Am I right or wrong here, A B? Well, you know, if Chyla Santos is getting the next shot, I, I think she's really good. She's only 28 years old. She looks really good on the Contender Series. She's kind of a dark horse in this division. I don't know if her skills have caught up to Shevchenko's yet, but I think that she does pose some unique threats to Shevchenko. I, I, I don't think that this is like a Jennifer Maya situation. I think Chyla Santos is the real deal, but um, I, I do agree. I mean, if Suarez is healthy and is able to just fight one time against a contender and get into title contention, I, I think she's problematic for just about anybody. I think if she was still a strawweight, she'd be the biggest threat to Rose. And I think at 125, she's got to be the biggest threat to uh, Shevchenko. But I guess we're all going with Shevchenko for the champion uh, at this time next year. The bantamweight champion, Brian, was the only outlier who did not take Amanda Nunes, but also did not take Juliana Pena. He believed that uh, Valentina Shevchenko would be in a trilogy fight against Nunes. So we have a new champion, Juliana Pena, very recent. Um, I'm going to go to uh, to you, Sean. And uh, well, actually, yeah, I, I guess we'll go to you, Sean. We'll just go around the horn for the bantamweight championship. I mean, I got to think that this one's coming back to ATT, and this one's coming back to Amanda Nunes. It, it what we saw a couple weeks ago was still somewhat shocking. Even now, thinking about it in retrospect, but. You have to imagine that that was a culmination of a lot of things, right? That Amanda knew this, you know, having what's going on in her personal life with having this child and having to really be a mother and, and be distracted with that. But also the complacency that sets in after being such a dominant champion for six years and for most of those six years being told you're the greatest thing to ever grace this sport, essentially. being he was, She was proclaimed the women's goat from the moment she beat Cyborg, and that was several years ago at this point. I have to think that some level of complacency set in for her, and she just did not think that Juliana Pena was a real threat to her going into that fight. I think when they book that rematch, because it does feel as if that's where that's headed, Amanda is going to come in more motivated than we've seen her in a long time, and I think she's going to make a statement and win that title back. All right, BC. Yeah, look, this is a great division for hot takes. So you wanted me to prepare some hot takes? Considering this my fourth one, I've seen the future and here's how it goes. Amanda Nunes focuses exclusively in 2022 on what? The 145 division with the signing of Kayla Harrison to the UFC. So who's the champion at 135 to close out the year? Meet the new champion. Same as the old boss, Holly Holm is going to come out of nowhere at 40 and defeat Juliana Pena and close the year as the champion following a victory in her rematch against Jermaine Durandamy. And then in 2023, Amanda Nunes is going to come back looking for that thing. All right. Well, there's a nice hot, uh, there's a hot one for you. Uh, all right. Who we got now? We've got Mike Bond. You're up. Yeah, I think that's an interesting theory by Brian. I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility. I also don't think it's crazy that Amanda does focus on 45 and maybe Valentina Shevchenko moves up and fights someone else for that 35 belt. But I do think the UFC is going to be pretty intent on making that Nunez-Pena rematch. Uh, I think Dana White said he thinks it's going to be the biggest women's MMA fight in history. So uh, clearly they already have their mind kind of pinpointed on that one. So I do think that's going to be the fight we're going to get. 
think you're hard pressed to pick against Amanda Nunes for all the reasons Sean Alshadi kind of laid out there. I think people have to take into account the fact, uh, you know, she did have COVID as well. I don't know how that affected her in the fight. Maybe, you know, the, the cardio, the issues we hear some athletes talk about, it takes a while when you're actually in competition to get back into that. So I think there was a lot going on with Amanda Nunes there. I think those things are probably going to be washed away when they do rematch. And I expect her to be Juliana Pena in that fight with a smarter approach, both to her training camp and to her in fight strategy. Yeah, Dana White said it was going to break every women's fight record, but there's one that's not going to break, which is attendance. There's not going to be whatever, 70,000 people there. Mark, you're up. See, I think uh, if, if Kayla Harrison does come to the UFC, it would be more likely at this point that maybe Nunes even gives up the 145-pound title and Kayla Harrison kind of takes over that division, and then maybe they build back toward that big fight, Harrison versus Nunes, after Nunes wins back the 135-pound title, which I think that she very well likely do if they do a rematch with her and Pena, which I do I do suspect sometime in the early part of 2022. So, yeah, I have to go with the GOAT, Amanda Nunes, being the women's bantamweight title holder in the UFC at the end of next year. I'm going to be on an island here. I think Juliana Pena retains. I think she beats Amanda Nunes in the rematch. There was something about that fight where, I don't know if it was a bad stylistic matchup or if it was just a test of wills that Juliana Pena was able to overcome. But I think the one thing that we didn't give Juliana Pena enough credit for is her chin. She doesn't get knocked down in fights. She doesn't get hurt badly in fights. If she's able to stand toe-to-toe with Amanda Nunes and tie her out again, we could see history repeat itself. Is that a crazy thought? Who knows? I guess we'll find out next year. Yeah. Normally, I would jump in and say something disparaging about you and your homeland for that take. But the point I did (laughs) want to make supports your take just as much as mine. What if Amanda Nunes can no longer comfortably make 135? Two years ago, the last time she had to against Jermaine Durandamy, she had her most, quote, human performance in some time. And then she got upset as a zombie after making that weight. Maybe she just can't make this ish anymore. So maybe she tries one more time and loses the rematch and both you and I look good in the end. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. But uh, Juliana Pena will be a pretty sizable underdog. I think it was last time I looked, it was around minus, one, minus 350 for uh, Nunes as a favorite. But, hey, that's not minus 1,000. People are giving Juliana credit, uh, at least a little bit of credit, going into that rematch. Uh, the women's featherweight division, and I think that the answer to this kind of hinges on uh, an unanswered piece of business. Uh, why don't we go to you, Mark? Yeah, this is an interesting one. And I just wanted to to, uh, to kind of reply to BC's point about Nunez's weight cut. Everyone that everyone in America Top Team told me that this was actually the best weight cut of her career. She was ripped, you know, she was actually in great shape and it was easy. She was almost too low in some ways, like before before the actual water cut on fight week at UFC 269. Maybe that was maybe that was the weird thing. Maybe she actually needs to cut more weight. I don't really know, but I don't think it was the weight cut. I think it was more the burden of being the champion for so long. And maybe having Kayla Harrison and all the questions about her, you know, coming in, maybe there was some pressure and some burden, which leads me to my 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 point for the women's 145 pound title. I think it's gonna be Kayla Harrison as the champion at the end of 2022, the UFC will sign her. I don't know if she fights Nunes. I don't know if that 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 title gets vacated. I'm not sure if they really want to do that fight, those two, at least not at this juncture. But I do see a world where at the end of next year, Harrison is the champion in that division. I should say, by the way, that uh, when we made our predictions for featherweight last year, everybody said Nunes except for Mark, who just said there would just be no division. And I, I guess you were wrong on that one, Mark. There, The division, for whatever's left of it, does remain. Uh, Mike, you're up. 
it, it barely remains. I mean, we lost <laughs> Felicia Spencer and you know, all these other people. But I'm going to say Amanda Nunes uh, because I don't think Kayla Harrison's going to sign to the UFC. Not saying that she won't ever. Uh, my prediction is she's going to stick with PFL and ride out another season there. And maybe she signs to the UFC if they do the same format and their scheduling and the championship is in October. Maybe she's in, signed to the UFC this time next year and fighting early 2023 but i think if we're talking about december 31st 2022 it's still going to be amanda nunes all right uh you are up sean uh sorry uh, bc you know i'll give sean credit that was really convincing of an argument i almost wanted to switch my pick to amanda nunes but i can't because then that would mean my holly home hot take wouldn't happen either so it's got to be kayla harrison but i do have concerns as would anybody how much that pena upset will push her in a different direction within free agency. But if she signs, I think she's a runaway train who's only getting better every time. And uh, yeah, that, that's what's going to happen right there. You heard it. Yeah, it all makes me wonder what we would be saying if uh, Amanda Nunez won that last fight. Like if Kayla Harrison was going to sign and her next fight was going to be Nunez, I wonder what we'd all be saying. But of course, we can't uh, change history. Uh, Sean, you're up. I actually thought I would be in the minority here, but I, I suppose not. I, I have to make it Kayla Harrison as well. Obviously, it does come down to, to this big decision. And, and you asked me two weeks ago, I think I would have said, I, I believe Kayla will stay in the PFL, but I don't know, man. I just have a, I just have a gut feeling that she will, in fact, sign in the UFC. And whether it's a fight against Amanda Nunes or, as we've said before, it's just a vacated title and she sort of takes up those reins. I think somehow, some way, she ends this, this next year uh, holding that belt. Well, I think the two hurdles that would come up for Kayla Harrison, who's also my pick for this, would be, A, an interim championship. Like, if, if they don't want her to fight Nunes this year, let's say Nunes has unfinished business with Pena, only wants to fight once this year, who knows? Maybe they do an interim featherweight championship between her and Norma Dumont or thing along those lines. Um, and, of course, there's, you know, if, if Nunes ends up beating uh, Pena, becoming the champion of Bantamweight again, and then ends up beating Harrison, who knows? Stranger things have happened. But uh, my pick would be um, Kayla Harrison for this. The uh, flyweight championship. None of us got this one correct. We all took Davis and Figueredo, with the exception of Brian, who took Askar Askarov. Uh, so Moreno ends up winning the championship, and here we are. We're going to have a trilogy fight between uh, Figueredo and Moreno. Uh, let's start with, uh, with you, Sean. W what do you think happens in the men's flyweight division this year? I might. I'm, I guess I'm the BC of this year because I'm going to go off the board. I'm going to take Askar Askarov. I, I feel like, obviously, th this Figueredo-Moreno trilogy needs to play out, but... At that point, Askar is the next best guy in this division, and he's sort of the forgotten man right now because it has been so long since he beat Joseph Benavides uh, all the way back in March. I mean, he already has a win over Pantoja. He, he has that draw with Brandon Moreno. He is just an incredibly, incredible uh, all-around fighter and, and a real threat and force in this division. And I think finally, I don't know what it's going to take for him to get this opportunity because he's not a flashy name and he's not you know, going to sell those pay-per-views, but I think it's going to happen, and, and I think he's going to end this year with this belt. All right, BC, are you jumping back on the Askarov train for this year? Yeah, I've never left it. It turns out I just had the wrong year in terms of my clairvoyancy, but everything they just said is right. This guy has a backbone, and this division is its too wacky and wild, I think, at this you know post-DJ uh, and Cejudo era for one guy to hold on for it too long. Do I think Brandon Moreno is for real? Hell yeah. But I think when Askarov gets the chance, he's just going to have a great night at the right time and, and take this belt. All right, uh, Mike, who's your pick for flyweight? This was probably one of the trickier ones for me, honestly. I'm going to stick with Figueredo. I mean, I think he's going to get the belt back. And then who knows? Does that set up a fourth fight with Brandon Moreno if they're 1-1-1? One, one, and one? Like, who knows what happens there? I think Asker Askarov is obviously a great fighter. I'm just not 100% certain if the timing is going to work out 
in his favor in terms of getting this title shot this year that sucks to say but he's been dealing with you know injuries and stuff like that outside the cage i assume they're gonna want him to fight at least once before putting him in there for that belt that's a, a tough sell in my opinion even if he does have some momentum behind him so i think figueredo wins this fight and then who knows who he fights after that but i think he's gonna be more comfortable with this weight cut now he's gonna be more prepared with better coaching at fight ready MMA. And I think this is going to be his year where he kind of entrenches himself as that champion. We thought he was going to be when he first won it. All right, Mark. I was definitely on the Figueredo train for a long time and, and I still am, but I just think that he's not a 125er. I just think that he, he cuts too much weight. I just don't think he can be effective at, at that division as much as he could be because of, of all the weight that, that he has to lose. And, and I, that's why I have to go with Brandon Moreno. I think he wins the trilogy fight. I think I think we, he took his game to a new level in 2021 with that finish of Figueredo. Let's not forget, he's not even in his 30s yet. I know he's lost that. I know he has the draw against Askarov. He lost to Pantoja. But I really feel like we haven't even seen the best of Brandon Moreno yet. Maybe we do in 2022, and that's why he is my flyweight champion for the end of the year. Can I jump in with a question for Mark real quick, sure. Aaron? Nope. Um, Mark, you oh, with this with this uh, Figueredo Moreno fight happening in California and Figueredo's big weight cut. Is there any concerns with you know the rehydration rules and the weight cutting rules that uh, this might derail it? The fact that it's in California. I don't think so. I, I do think that they will be keeping tabs on Figueredo's weight cut. I, I think that maybe him being down in Arizona at working with Henry Cejudo, he's been down there now for already a few months. I do think that will help him a little bit. And of course, not having to make that long trip from Brazil to wherever the fight is. I uh, remember that, that whole fiasco with him going to Abu Dhabi, like, you know, during, during fight week and uh, trying to cut all that weight. I think that will help him too. Just being basically in the same time zone as where the fight is going to be, that will help him. But uh, I don't I don't foresee any any concerns, but it will be really interesting, guys, when we get the fight night wait for Figueredo the night of that or, or the week after that that card, because he's a big boy. I want to see how much he actually weighs in the cage that night. It'll be really interesting. I, I would hazard to bet that he's gonna, probably going to be at least 15 pounds heavier than Moreno on fight night. I'm going to go to Arizona expert, Sean Alshadi. Is the time zone the same right now? I know it fluctuates. Uh, it's different right now. It's, 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 it's a, an hour off. Yeah, so yeah we're an one hour uh, in front, I think, well, of the West Coast time. There is one thing that could derail that fight from happening in California, but I don't want to be negative. So uh, I will say, uh, Brandon it's Moreno... It's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question. <laughs> a legitimate question. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Brandon Moreno as well. I just think this guy is starting to really um, get comfortable with his own skin and has evolved to a point where he's just going to continue to improve. This is the age where you can really be molded into uh, a better version of yourself. He's in his late 20s. I feel like that's really when fighters start to come into their own. I don't think he's even in his prime yet, but I think that he's just adding more and more tools. He's in Las Vegas now, uh, training, I think, with better bodies. And uh, I think that Brandon Moreno, uh, also an, uh, an analyst for the UFC in terms of the Spanish broadcast, I, I just think that Brandon Moreno is starting to come into his own here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with him for the flyweight champion for the end of uh, this year, or I guess next year, rather. Uh, he's currently the uh, champion at the end of this year. Uh, last year's picks for bantamweight, Sean and Brian, give yourselves a pat on the back. Piotr Jan with their selections. Uh, they, he's the interim champion. Mark Raimondi gets the real pat on the back as the undisputed champion. Well, I guess the currently disputed champion is Aljamain Sterling, and that was his pick. Mike Bond selected Henry Cejudo, and I selected TJ Dillashaw. So, uh, Sean, well, Brian, and Mark, all partially right. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about um, this division. Who's going to be the bantamweight champion at the end of 2022? Sean. 
I know right now we're stuck in sort of this twosome between Peter Yawn and Aljamain Sterling, but I just can't I can't shake the ghosts uh, of UFC's past, man. I, there's a, a demon still lurking out there. His name is TJ Dillashaw. He obviously has to come back from this injury, but whenever we can resolve whatever this mess is going at the top of 135, TJ Dillashaw is going to be that man waiting for that next shot, and I think he does it. I mean, he is still a, a puzzle for anybody to fi- figure out. I think he's, he's very motivated, obviously, at this point in his career, wants to prove that it wasn't just the PEDs that sort of carried him to that title before. I believe in TJ Dillashaw, man, and I think he's going to have a big comeback year in 2022. All right, Brian, are you sticking with your uh, your pick last year? I am, and it's a controversy only because I'm the biggest TJ Dillashaw fan this side of uh, of EPO, and uh, I believe in him as well. I believe him versus Peter Jan to close the year will be a fantastic fight. But Peter Jan's just, uh, he's just next level tough and very well-rounded. I think he's going to be stubborn enough to be the consistency atop this division outside, obviously, of the inconsistency of him losing the title and now it being disputed. Yet every time he has to go back in there, man, he looks like the best fighter in the world at this weight class. So I'm going to go out of the emotional hole and climb into the more practical one and tell you that Peyotre Jan will be will still be here. All right. We got... uh... Uh, Mike Bond, yeah, you you said Piotr Jan obviously is a joke, but I listened back to last year's show and I, I couldn't help but chuckle because you called uh, John Morgan John Murphy and uh, Jean Jaly <laughs> Wong Jaly. So uh, John Murphy yeah, wears a yeah. green shirt yeah, every yeah, show. John yeah, Murphy. yeah. I get so, confused. Yeah. So you haven't screwed up any names yet, and I know you were saying Piotr Jan is a tongue-in-cheek thing. So uh, I'll give you credit for that one. Uh, Mike Bond, who's your pick next year? Uh, it's going to be Jan, I think. I do like the TJ Dillashaw argument, but hey, man, this guy turns 36 years old in about six weeks, and he just went through another serious surgery. Uh, I just don't know if he's going to be able to hold up. I don't know how this is going to change his skill set, his ability to implement the tactics that he wants out there. So, uh, Sterling, all really, really great fights. I just don't. I don't know, something just doesn't feel right in terms of him getting that belt around his waist. And as Brian said, Jan is incredibly consistent, incredibly skilled. As long as he doesn't do anything idiotic again and shoot himself in the foot and cost himself a fight, I think this is the guy who is really a tier above all the bantamweights right now, which is an absolutely insane division. Um, I think we're going to have some crazy evolution, some crazy fights in this division in 2022. But I think at the end of it, Jan is going to be standing at the top of that mountain. All right, Mark Raimondi. I can't believe Brian Campbell told on himself, guys. Can you believe this? Now we know how he gets ready for those shows with Luke Thomas. He's doping, of course. He's the BCEO of EPO. Can you believe this? Uh, but uh, as far as bantamweight division goes, I have to say it's 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 Peter Yan. It's, it's Peter Yan. I really do think that he has found a new level. I do think he's the best guy in that division. To me, this is the division that has the, the, the most candidates who could possibly be the champion at the end of 2022. But I just think I'm going to go chalk. I mean, although it's not really chalk, he's interim champion even though he was the champion it's a little bit of a mess but i think that all that gets sorted out and jan is the guy at the end of next year mark abandoning the uh, aljamain sterling ship i'm gonna go with piotr jan as well i also think he deserves a new nickname you know no mercy is a kind of a, a cliche nickname piotr the computer jan because he's just downloading information he's adjusting on the fly <laughs> and he's coming up with game plans on the fly. i'm gonna pitch this to him next time i, I think that we, we're in need of a new nickname but that butcher. butcher is a little manlier than computer villain. I mean, come on. Nah, it's just the, the way he fights. He's it, it's similar to a lot of the the boxers that you like, like the, the Lomachenkos, the guys that kind of the early rounds they're not at their best, and they download and like Floyd is another great example. They download all the information and they, they process and then they take over, and uh, that's what Piotr Jan does. I, I I don't even see anybody who's close to Piotr Jan in this division right now. I, I honestly think he's 
uh, far and away the best bantamweight. Uh, featherweight. I've always, I've always said, Aaron, that the best nicknames are one that it takes five minutes to explain why it's the nickname. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't need to explain it, it's, uh, but th- that's the explanation. Uh, I think people could put two and two together there. Uh, featherweight division, last year's picks, uh, Mike Vaughn, uh, Max Holloway, Mark Raimondi, Henry Cejudo. And if you think that sounds bad, myself and Brian Campbell both uh, selected Zabit to be the champion at this time of year. He, yes. he might not even be fighting ever again. And uh, Sean Alshadi, uh, Brian Ortega. None of us took uh, Alexander Volkanovski oh, wow. to be the champion at this time. Uh, and he continues to impress and uh silence those doubters let's see if anybody's on the volkanovsky train for this time next year we'll start with you mark yeah i, I have to go with volkanovsky i can't believe that everyone snubbed him last year we really were sleeping on that guy but look he's the best he's the best featherweight he's beaten holloway twice he had that incredible win over ortega and to me i think that was that he looked the best in that fight that i've seen him look uh yeah he got in some trouble with ortega of course with those submissions but other than that, I thought he pretty much dominated the fight. I think I think he's the guy. Again, it's a really good division. There are multiple people who could possibly come in and usurp him, but I'm uh, I'm Team Volkanovski for 2022. All right, Mike. I'm doubling down on Max Holloway. I think uh, he's going to win this third fight whenever it happens. Um, there's some tricky fights for him after that too, but yeah, I think he's going to be able to get that belt back. I think it's going to be another very close fight, another very competitive head of fight but i think max is gonna be able to figure out the puzzle that is alexander volkanovsky this time around and get that title back and then who knows i mean are they gonna do a fourth fight after that it's it's really all up in the air but i do think he will have the the belt around his waist again all right brian i've been known as a you know closet hater or underappreciator appreciator of one Volkanovsky, but his fight of the year performance against brian ortega really should have changed that within me because he fought like a man he was brilliant but it didn't change me. Max Holloway is going to be your champion because one thing <laughs> I've learned in the history of this sport is no one loses, no great fighters ever lose to the same fighter three times in a row. But seriously, I think he figured it out in the rematch. I thought he won in the rematch. I know Luke Thomas watched it 49 times and he changed his mind, but I'll tell you this, Max Holloway, even with that harder than we expected fight against Rodriguez, man, he is still the goods of this weight class. I think when he's dialed in and it's computer versus computer, and I'm not talking about Piotr Jan, um, he can compete on the Volkanovski IQ level. And then when you max in his length, I just think this is the fight he's going to win. This is like the final mountaintop career moment for the guy who's not anywhere close to being done. This is one of the morning combat conspiracies that I've always, there's no way he watched it 49 times. Like I, I did the math, and if he watched it 49 times, and even if you fast forward through corners, that would have been like 80% of his waking hours since the fight that he was just watching it over and over again. Now, I know Luke is, is a diehard, you know, fight analyst, but I, I, just can't, I just can't imagine that he spent 80% of his waking hours for like four days watching that fight over and over and over again. You know, It'll be two days after a fight, and I'll be like, hey, man, I watched it a second time. You know, it really informed my opinion. He's like, dude, I've watched it like 13 times since then. I'm like, no, you haven't. You know, and you never <laughs> dunked in high school either. Like, don't rewrite history, all right? Come on. 49 times was a little bit of a stress. If he's had 13 times, I, I can buy that. But 49 times, that's a lot. Uh, Sean, who, have I gone to you yet, Sean? Am I going in the right order? Sean, you're up. Oh, man, that's real dedication right there. I appreciate that. Uh, no, I, I mean, we just don't learn our lesson, apparently, because we did it last year and we just basically did it all again this year. I'm going Max Holloway, too, man. I, I think Max won that second fight. I feel like Max Holloway is the best 145-pound fighter in the entire world, and if they fought tomorrow, I'm picking Max Holloway. It, it's it, We've reached a weird place with this division, and if I was Alexander Volkanovsky, I, can, I would absolutely 
understand just feeling really, really slighted with the way people treat him at, at this point. But we're doing it here even. Uh, I'm picking Max. I think he's going to win that third fight, and we're going to end up in a very bizarre place at 145. Well, I think it has to be one of those two guys. Like, it has to be Volkanovski or Holloway because there's not a whole lot of contenders that have come up in this division. Like we mentioned, Zabit's kind of on the shelf. We, haven't, we don't know what's going on with him. Uh, and then every other contender, Max Holloway seems to just knock out of contention. You, you got Yair Rodriguez is knocked out of contention. And then Ortega knocked Zombie out of contention. Uh, Ortega, I don't think he's going to get another shot anytime soon. So I think it has to be one of those two guys. And I have to go with Volkanovski. Volkanovski beat Holloway both times. I actually had Volkanovski winning the second time. I was, I guess, in the minority. Um, I, I, you know, it was one of those weird fights where... You could say that Holloway won those first two rounds pretty emphatically, but then I think that by a very slim margin, uh, uh, Volkanovski won the, the next three rounds, and he made good adjustments. We'll have to see if he can do it again, because three times beating Max Holloway is not an easy task, but I'm going to go with Mark Raimondi and, and say that it's going to be Volkanovski. Um, I think I... Sorry, Giga is a nice potential that, like? dark horse there. I think Giga Chikadze is a potential dark horse there for oh. you know a title shot and maybe a potential title win. I think he's a, a tricky matchup for both Volkanovski and Holloway. So uh, yeah, I forgot about Giga. That is a very fair, uh, a very fair observation. Uh, lightweight division. Um, last year, Sean said uh, Justin Gaethje, uh, Brian Campbell, and Mark Raimondi said Conor McGregor, Mike Bond oh. said Habib, and I said Dustin Poirier. So I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for being the closest of of the group. Um, Let's let's go to this year. We got uh, the lightweight championship. Uh, Sean has oh Sean's here. Hold on, I'm gonna add add Sean back to the mix. His c- computer keeps dying on him. But uh, Sean, I don't know if you heard all that, but I'm throwing to you for the lightweight champion for uh, 2021 or 2022 rather. Yeah, yeah. This program keeps kicking me out randomly. I'm not sure what's going on here. Uh, but I have to I have to think that at some point. This man's going to get a shot, and at some point, this belt is coming back to Dagestan. I'm picking Islam Makachev for this. Uh, this probably follows Charles Oliveira's, Oliveira's narrative of just everyone doubting him at every possible turn. But, man, it just feels to me that every time we see Islam fight these days, he just looks like a, a champion in waiting. And eventually, he will get that shot. Obviously, I think the Habib Association will help him in that regard and help the UFC maybe put, propel him towards that opportunity. But it's gonna, the belt's going to end up back at Dagestan. I'm going Islam. All right, BC. Yeah, I agree with that. And part of that is also, even though I, I admit I've underrated Oliveira at every step of this incredible run, he has to take big damage to win these fights. And it's like, how many times can you play with that danger? I think he may end up fighting Justin Gaethje in the first quarter of this year, and he may win it, and it may be your fight of the year. But all of that is going to add up in the damage and in, 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 in the danger it takes to win that way. Islam Makachev is just the exact opposite uh, score one for the Shmesh factory. We back, baby, in a big way. Because nobody's Habib, right? But this guy does Habib-like things in terms of his approach and maybe potential dominance long-term. So I'm excited to see him get that chance. All right, Mike Bonner, are you jumping on the Mahashkala train? I am. I am. Um, I think we're going to see 2022 is the year of lightweight title turnover. I think Justin Gaethje will beat Charles Oliveira, and then Islam Makachev will beat Benil Dariush and then beat Justin Gaethje after that. Um Maybe Gaethje doesn't get past Charles Oliveira. I can't really get the image out of my mind of how badly he was handled on the mat against Habib in their fight. But uh, I do think these are some interesting stylistic matchups here. But I do think if you're kind of comparing them uh, apples to apples in terms of the skill sets, I think Islam has just that little bit of edge with his grappling ability over all these guys and talk control and stuff. And I think that's going to be the X factor in his favor against Dariush, against Oliveira, against Gaethje. And he's the man who holds that belt at the end of next year. Mark. Father's plan, Aaron. I think Islam Makachev, which was 
always the idea for Habib Nurmagomedov to, to leave and kind of pass the torch to Islam in the UFC lightweight division. I do think this is the year that happens. I think Islam wins. Uh, I'm kind of with Mike. I think that there will be some turnover in the division this year. I could see Justin Gaethje beating Charles Oliveira in that next fight. But I just think by the end of the year, Islam Magachev will find a way into that title fight. And I do think if he gets it, he'll win regardless of whoever the champion is. I'm, I'm, I mean, the dude's a terminator. I mean, the, the, like, like BC said, he's the closest thing to Habib I think we have in the UFC. And Habib will be in his corner. So I, th- I think he's the guy at the end of next year. I'm going to go with Charles Oliveira. I, I just think that from a matchup standpoint, if he does end up facing Gaethje and Makachev this year, or next year rather, I think that the Gaethje matchup is favorable for Oliveira. Because all it's going to take for him to beat Justin Gaethje potentially is to grab a hold of him and find the submission, similar to how he did it to Poirier. And he's going to have to take some big shots along the way, but he was able to do that against Poirier. Now, I do think that Gaethje does have a better primary weapon. I think he's got more power than Dustin Poirier. But we haven't seen Charles Oliveira live up to that previous reputation, which I now think is debunked of him being a quitter. And then against Makhachev, if Makhachev takes him down, he's going to be defending submissions left, right, and center. And I've got to imagine over the course of five rounds, Oliveira's going to find something. He's so opportunistic, so creative. I'm going to stick with Charles Oliveira as being the champion again at this time uh, next year, and I, I'm not surprised that I'm in the minority on that one. Uh, welterweight Championship, do we have any dissenting Usman votes uh, for, for this year? Raise your hand, or we will just move on. All right, we got, we got one. Sean Alshadi. I'm calling. I mean, this, this at a certain point, this has to end. Kamar Usman is getting up there in age for this division. He he had injuries earlier in his career. He, we... oh, well, there goes Sean. He'll probably go oh. back. Um, why don't I go over our picks for last year uh, before I throw to you, Mark? Uh, we got um, Usman for yourself, uh, Mark, uh, Mike Bond, and Brian Campbell. Sean selected Leon Edwards, and I selected Hamzat Shemaev. So uh, those were those were the picks for last year. Uh, Sean is back. Sean, wrap up your point. I don't know what's going on with your connection here. I have no idea. Are you guys using this? What browser are you guys using for this? I'm using a... Uh, well, I'm hosting. So you got Chrome. We got one Chrome. I'm, I'm on Firefox. Maybe I need to switch to Chrome if that happens again. Uh, anyway, the point... What year? Yeah. Are you coming in from 2006? Yeah, you need a less secure browser. You need a less secure browser, Sean. <laughs> As I was saying, the state of Kamaru Usman's knees, you never know what this guy, at a certain point, this has to end, and it just feels like Hamzat Shemaev is one fight away from that title fight. And I think if he does get that title fight, I I don't know that it's crazy to pick him. I think somehow, some way, we end up with the wolf from Chechnya as the champion. All right, Mark, what did you want to uh, say? I'm with Sean. I actually have to agree with him. I think that Colby Covington has, I don't want to say he's exposed Kamaru Usman because I think Usman's a fantastic champion. He doesn't have many holes, but the the type of fighter that Usman seems to struggle with the most is a guy that can wrestle and also strike. And and in some ways, Chemayev is a better version of Colby Covington, whereas he's a great wrestler, but he has more power in his hands. And I think he can find Usman's chin. We saw Usman get rocked by Gilbert Burns, also a guy who can grapple. So with that thought, of, the thought of going to the ground at Usman's head, it makes his opponent a better, a better striker. And that's a dangerous thing when you come into a guy, uh, come into a fight with a guy like Chemayev. If that fight does happen, and I and I don't see any reason why Chemayev wouldn't work his way up to that fight at the end of of the year. I think Shemaev is the guy. I think he's the guy to dethrone Usman. It may take another year, maybe it's 2023, but I'm going to I'm going to lay it out and uh, and say Shemaev for 2022. If Shemaev ends up beating Usman, I just seem to have lost everybody here on my screen. But uh if uh he ends up beating Usman, I mean that's like that's basically just like a license to print money. 
I mean, the, the, he'll be the biggest star, I think, that the, that the UFC will have if he's able to get through Usman and become the champion. Does anybody disagree with that? I mean, I, I think completely that completely disagree. Completely disagree. All right. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't see. I don't see Chimaev as being like a a big bankable star for the UFC. I just. I just think. Uh, I think he's great, but I just. Don't, but I mean, I think he'll be like Habib. I think that he'll be. A, you know, he'll be a star, but not a not a McGregor level or anywhere close. Well, if McGregor is the benchmark, though, I mean that doesn't feel very fair, right? Because that's a once that's a once ever type of type of comparison. But I do feel I agree with you that he can get to a Habib level. It's certainly, and it's going to take the right fights. It's going to take the right opponents, the right foil, as we we we've seen it before. I mean, Chael Sonnen was sort of that guy for Anderson. You always need somebody to to be that foil. But I think he could certainly reach a Habib level if 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 he's able to continue to do this with the level of dominance that he has showed. Because at a certain point, the numbers are just overriding everything. If you can show a casual fan like, hey, this guy's just genuinely not getting touched in these fights, they'll, they'll tune in. Yeah, I, I agree with it. Like, I, it just depends on how he does it. But if he's able to just run through these guys in the way that he's been doing, like you've got all of these different stars that you've built in the UFC kind of being built into this one package. You've got kind of the like scary Eastern European model with, with uh, Habib. You've got the Ronda and Francis Ngannou model of just dominance and beating people, and you want to see how quickly they beat them. And then you've got kind of the smack talk of, of Shemaev, which is still a growing thing as his English improves, but you got that kind of a counter factor as well. I, and I just think that this guy, if he's able to beat Usman, like you guys are predicting, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that Usman is still going to be the champion at this time next year. I, I don't know if Hamza's going to get a shot this year. Uh, if he does, that'll certainly be an interesting fight, but... Man, I, I think that he's got all the star potential in the world. Um, all right, let's. Uh... My, my opinion on that one, real quick, is I think Usman does have the belt, but I think it's only because he's going to fight once next year. I think he's going to have extended time off here. We might see him around the summer. I think he'll fight Leon Edwards probably, and uh, that might be it for him next year. So maybe he does fight Hamza Chmaev or Bilal Muhammad, or those two fight each other in a title eliminator or something like that. Uh, but I don't think we see Usman nearly as active next year as he was this year a kid with the way timing lines up only be one fight and that's why i think he'll have the belt more so than because i think hamzad is like gonna beat him if they fight i don't think they're gonna fight this year or next year oh, I, I, I think division. Oh, sorry, I, go ahead. really quick really quickly i do think that's actually a really good point because that sort of seems mm-hmm. the way the way that usman's schedule is trending at least at this point it does feel like he's probably coming back in the summer and then you know who knows he's already started talked about a retirement a little bit but i do wonder if that is the case where he is sort of one fight a year for next year and Ham, the Hamzat train does keep rolling, that feels like a situation where the UFC would at some point just say, hey, we're just putting an interim belt out there so we can get something on this guy. All right, last year in the middleweight division, uh, the only non-Adesanya votes were for Mark Raimondi and Mike Bond for Robert Whitaker, with the caveat that Israel has left the division to uh, pursue light heavyweight greatness, which obviously did not come to fruition in 2021. Uh, are there any non-Adesanya picks uh, this year for the, uh, the middleweight champion at this time next year? Well, I'm picking Adesanya to end the year, but I think he loses the championship on the way there, and we get just a thrilling and insane trilogy between Whitaker and Adesanya, which Israel wins out in the end. I'm sorry that I've seen so much of the future, uh, and it feels you know like I'm very bold, <laughs> but I can just be a channel for it at this point. You know? Bold and beautiful, BC. Bold and beautiful. Uh, the one guy that I think is, kind of, and I don't know if I want to make this an official pick, the one guy that I think could be an interesting matchup for Israel is Sean Strickland. 
guy's just a maniac, and, and it seems like in his fights, he's just been running through people. He's going to have to, you know, put on a real volume-heavy attack on Israel Adesanya, but he doesn't seem to be a guy that's going to be afraid of walking into something big from Israel. And the, the kind of guy that's going to beat an Israel is going to be a pressure fighter. It's going to be somebody that's not afraid to walk him down and walk forward. And I think Sean Strickland might be that guy. I might, I might be crazy. Who knows? Maybe Jack Romanson beats him in this next fight, and this completely becomes like a, a, a lost memory. But that, I think, is the most intriguing matchup, just strictly matchup for Israel if he does get past Robert Whitaker. Um, like they doing steroids together or after, before or after the fight? Before or after the steroids? Yeah, that was a great, co- that was a great <laughs> comment that he gave to you, Mike. That's the, he, he invited Israel over to, uh, to do steroids. I like how he put you on the, st- on the spot and was like asking you about uh, what, what's, what's the name <laughs> of the thing that Israel had? I forget what it was called. Gyno. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah the, the gyno. gyno. And they said, you know, you know of any other cases of people had gyno without doing steroids? And I, I'm sure how many people, how many people have you ever met that have had gyno, uh, Mike? Like, how many examples do you have to draw from? On <laughs> Zero. That? Yeah, exactly. Zero. Yeah. You guys, you guys don't, you, you guys don't fear incarceration before title shot for this guy. <laughs> it could be, it could be, could be both. <laughs> could be a very valid car- point. Incarcerated and then, although it seems like while he is crazy, he like understands how to handle himself in society like when things get sticky like he mentioned to me in an interview once that like this guy cut me off and i was really angry and he's like but the guy's just like he's he's like an ant and i'm like a lion and it's just not fair for me to try to like make that into a thing i just he's he's an interesting guy he's he's like at peace he's almost like dexter he's like at peace with the fact that he's like a sociopath which is kind of weird i just hope i hope for the best for sean strickland going forward that's all i'll say is like it seems like it's touch and go at the best of times uh light heavyweight championship uh myself mark and mike bond all picked israel adesanya which is uh did not come to fruition although we did have an opportunity uh brian campbell selected dominic reyes and sean alshadi predicted Yuri Prokashka. None of us uh, believed that Jan Blahovic would get through the year, and he did not. And, of course, none of us predicted that Glover Teixeira would be the champion. So I'll start with you, uh, Sean. Who do you think is going to be the light heavyweight champion at this time next year? Are you sticking with your pick from last year? Because it's a real Oh, absolutely. I'm going back-to-back. I was just a tad (laughs) bit too early on this one, but Yuri Prokashka is the man in this division right now. I I just... I don't see a world as much as we love the story and as much as is one of the coolest stories that we really have seen in the last decade in this sport... I don't see a world where Glover Teixeira can keep doing this at this age against the very, very best of this division. We've seen this guy lose before. Obviously, he is at a really nice place in his life and his career. I feel like he probably feels really you know, content with what he was able to do in 2021. But Yuri Prohaska is a maniac out there punching trees and jumping in ice. Like I'm, I'm all aboard the Yuri Prohaska train. He is entertainment personified, and I think he ends this year with the title. All right, Brian. Yeah, I think Yuri's so violent and reckless and ridiculous that when he does win the title and i think this is the year i don't think he's going to keep it long because he's so all over the place but he's a he's like a shooting star that you you can't deny it uh this will be the year it seems to be perfect timing you know john jones goes away we have an older great story champion who isn't long to keep it, it it's his time right now for Hotska. it's a perfect window mike I'm going to say Prohoshka as well. I think for all the reasons those guys explained, I don't know how many light heavyweight title fights we're going to get this year. I think, again, a lot of these things so much come down to timing and how many fights we're going to get. But I do think we get that fight, you know, late Q1, early Q2 this year. And then I don't know what happens after that, how many times he's able to defend it. But I do think Prohoshka gets that belt. I'm confident he wins it next year. I'm not super, super confident he has it by the end of the year. But I'll say so he I'll say he will for the purposes of the show. All right, Mark. 
Team Yuri all the way. I've been following this guy since he was in Ryzen. I was a big fan of him then. He's only gotten better since then. Uh, he's he's a one-man wrecking crew. I do agree with everyone who said that he could very easily win the title and then also lose it in his next fight because he's just a maniac. I mean, he got hit a ton against Dominic Reyes as well. He very easily could have lost that fight, but his chin held up and he ended up having... You know, we, we talked about knockout of the year. That was That was on that very short list. That ridiculously violent spinning elbow knockout of Dominic Reyes was just incredible. I do think he beats Glover. I'm going to say that he, he's champ at the end of next year, but he very easily could lose it to, to pretty much uh, almost anybody, an Alexander or you know, Rakic or even uh, you know, a, a returning Jan Bogovic in the title picture. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Yuri, but that's a very uh, reluctant pick just given his uh, propensity for dishing out violence but also absorbing violence. Well, don't, don't leave Magomed Ankalaev out of the conversation. I think he's in the mix, although I don't 100%. think he gets a title shot in 2022. So hear me out. Here's Yuri Prokhashka. He comes out against Glover Teixeira. And man, this guy's a wild man. He comes, he throws, throws a spinning kick, knocks Glover down. Yeah, I mean, but Glover gets knocked down all the time. What, what does Glover do when he gets knocked down? He grabs those legs. He takes you down with him. And he sinks in a chokehold. Glover Teixeira will be the champion again at this time next year. Bold prediction from Aaron Bronstetter because I... I, I love the guy. I love the certified Glover boy. I think that he is going to uh, be able to submit so many different guys in the division. I think this is just his opening. Whether or not he retires at the end of next year, who knows? I mean, he's in his, you know, getting towards his mid-40s now. But I just think that he's got that fight IQ and the durability that can really allow him to beat so many different guys in the division. And you guys have mentioned that Prokashka is kind of wild. And if you make a mistake against Glover, he will capitalize. So we'll see if that does happen. Uh, heavyweight Do you division. really say certified Glover boy? Yeah. I, yeah, we really <laughs> glossed that. You, yeah, you, really, you like rushed through that. And I'm like, I, I, I think you may have to leave Toronto now. I'm pretty oh, guy, sure that. The guy doesn't have a nickname. Oh, you that out? Out. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get new nicknames in here. And that's that's my new Glover nickname. Yeah. He's certified. He's we edit that be, out. You're going to be uh, 86 from the six because of that nickname. I, I doubt that. But we'll, we'll just leave it at that. But I'm, I'll pitch it to Glover next time. And we'll see what he has to say. He'll probably say no. The, 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 one, the, one nickname that I, computer Jan. the one nickname that we need to yeah, Computer Jan. One guy that I know, uh, Brad, uh, Brad Tazchuk, came up with a great nickname that I think we need to pitch to. Uh, Josh Parisian, who fought this uh, last weekend. Carbo Parisian. Because he's, the, he's a heavyweight and his last name is Parisian. So I, I think that if you pitch Carbo Parisian to Josh Parisian, he'll roll, roll with it. Because it's just too good of a nickname to pass up. Speaking of carbs, heavyweight division. Last year, myself, Sean Alshadi predicted Francis Ngannou would be the champion. Uh, oh, Brian, that, transition, that transition was just, that's why you're a pro, Eric. Yeah. That was fantastic. <laughs> years and years of training uh, and, and doing transitions will get you there. Uh, you and I, Sean, selected uh, Francis Ngannou. Uh, Brian, Mark, and Mike Bond all selected John Jones. And are we going to just keep picking John Jones every year and hope that he fights? <laughs> Let's find out. Mark Raimondi, you're up. Heavyweight champion. <laughs> this is a really hard one because you could make a legitimate case for at least three people being the champion at the end of the year. Francis Ngannou. Cyril gone, John Jones. Hey, you could even make a case for a fourth. Maybe Stipe Miocic gets thrown back into the picture and wins the title. This is actually probably the most interesting that heavyweight has been in a while. Ever. And <laughs> what's that? Ever. Yeah, ever. I mean, all due respect to the the Stipe, you know, DC three year trilogy, you know, where they only fought once a year. Uh, this is a really interesting division. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say Francis Ngannou. I think. I think it's. I think that it'll be a really good fight with him and Gon, but I think it'll be Gon's path will be similar to Ngannou's, where he loses that first title fight. I do think Gon in the future will be the champion, but like his old training partner Francis, I think he loses the first time the way that Francis lost to Stipe and comes back and wins it in the future. So I'm going to say Ngannou. John Jones is just too much of a wild card to even factor into 
my, my thoughts. I, I do think that, I mean, it does seem like he'll get the heavyweight title shot, but who knows at this point? I mean, we thought that was going to happen for sure next year. That's what that's what he was saying, and it didn't happen. Maybe it doesn't happen, you know, this year or, or 2022 either. I don't know. So I'm going to go with the safe choice and say Francis Ngannou, the predator. So you think Francis will beat Gunn the same way that Stipe beat Francis? So Francis is going to wrestle Gunn for, for five rounds and get his decision? I'm not, I'm not saying that it's going to be the same style of fight, Aaron. I'm just saying it's going to be a similar trajectory for Gunn where he loses that first try but comes back and wins in the future. Still, still a fairly young guy for heavyweight. I know. I'm asking you, but it would, it would be interesting to see him win in that manner. Uh, Mike, who's your Does pick for heavyweight? Does he lose to Derek Lewis first or, or, or before he comes back to win it? Who, Derek Lewis? No, does does uh, does gone if he goes the Ngannou route? He's, he's got to put out that shitty fight against. Uh, just edit the whole thing out. All right, there's too many. Too many <laughs> <laughs> I've got my swear <laughs> pen ready to go. Worsen uh, right. the issue. I like <laughs> Mike, it. Mike, heavyweights. Uh, I'm gonna make this short and sweet because this does this entire situation factors into the hot takes we're gonna get into a little bit later. So I'm going to say John Jones is gonna be the champion at the end of the year, but it's gonna be a hell of an interesting road to get there. All right, BC, keep it PG. You're up. Yeah, it's Ngannou. Uh, there's a he's a new level scary from that win over Stipe, and it's unfortunate that with the moment lack of momentum and the fighting with the company that he didn't get back here sooner. But uh, it, if he's going to be that good, guys, like it's over for this division. Seriously, what he did against Stipe, like you know, now he can wrestle, like he can kind of wrestle. Like I mean, this is he. We haven't seen something like this before. We're going to see something very violent the next couple of years. All right, Sean, you're up. Frankly, I'm a little ashamed of our panel right now. You, you'd say in all these answers and not one mention of, of the true breakthrough fighter, breakout fighter of 2021, beast boy Chris Barnett. Are you kidding me? The <laughs> athleticism, the finesse on this man, and he can't even get a mention. Uh, no, I'm kidding, of course. I, I, Francis Ngannou is my pick as well. I, I, I have thought for a while that this man is destined to be a legendary heavyweight champion and perhaps the best heavyweight we have ever seen by the time all of this is done and i think next year is going to be the year where it's true you start to understand we all start to understand just how good francis Ngannou is i think he's probably the fighter of the year in 2022 i think he beats cyril Gunn. i think he beats john jones and we're just going to be singing this guy's praises the whole time yeah well i mean they just need to pay the guy it's the last fight of his contract apparently dana white was saying uh, of course, that's only if he loses, because if he wins, I guess it re renews or something along those lines. I'm sure, Mark, Mark, what happens if, if you're the champion and you win? What happens with your contract? Can you Do you know that? Off, off Champions it, clause, it gets, baby. Gets, yeah, what's the clause, though? How does that work? I think, um, uh, I'm not sure what it is in Francis's case, but I do think if he wins, he's, he will have at least two to three more fights before he can become a free agent because of the Champions clause, yes. I thought it was just one and kind of, you know, pre-jump in my hot take here. But uh, yeah, I think as far as I know, if Ngannou wins, it extends, but it's on a time limit rather than a fight limit. So uh, if they can get him multiple fights within that time limit, it could be a few fights. If it's just one, it could be just one. If it's none, it could be none. But as far as I know, if he wins here, uh, it extends on a time term. If he loses, he is a free agent with obviously uh, an exclusive negotiating period for a little bit there. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully, he uh, if he does lose, a Jake Paul boxing match has to be on the horizon, of course. Uh, oh, yeah. new, <laughs> newcomer of the year. Let's uh, let's talk about the newcomer of the year. Mark, who's your pick? I may need a little assistance from you with this, Aaron, uh, with the pronunciation. But my newcomer of the year is Manon Fioro. Help me with last name. Fioro. What you said, yes, Manon. I, 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 think that she's, 
Uh, no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, but I, I will be. I will be in. Uh, I will be in Paris next week. This time next week, I will what? be in Paris, and uh, I will not be able to speak French then either. But uh, but but I wanted to put that out there. But yeah, she is she's my pick. I think that she has been fantastic since coming to the UFC. She debuted earlier this year. She's looked uh, she's looked like one of the more promising female prospects in the UFC to come along in, in a while. And yeah, she's she's my number newcomer of the year. I can't pronounce her name, but but she is uh, she's my pick. My prediction: Mark is not allowed to travel to Paris next week, but I'm, hope, hopefully that's not the case. Uh, Mike, because, you're because of what? Why, why would that be? Why would that be, Aaron? <laughs> Well, it seems like there's all kinds be? of travel regulations that are coming about these days. Am I not allowed to talk about that? Is that, that unmentionable? <laughs> that Mike, is a legitimate point. It's a, legi- it's, it's a legitimate question. Uh, Mike, you're up. Uh, I'm actually sticking with the same division as Mark, but a different fighter. Casey O'Neill, I think, is someone that stood out to me a little bit. I actually had the chance to talk to her the other day at uh, Extreme Couture, and she seems like a very good place. Obviously, she's going to be Roxanne Modafferi's retirement opponent coming up here, but I thought she had a really nice year. Comes in, three finishes, three wins. Uh, I thought that was someone that kind of stood out to me, and especially in a weight class that desperately needs someone like herself to come in and kind of freshen things up. So I think uh, she's one to watch most definitely and a, a great way to introduce yourself to the UFC this year. Shout out to Roxy, by the way, getting engaged uh, over the weekend after her boyfriend took an illegal knee from Asa Tenpao, who's like one of the like best kickboxers in MMA right now. And then he gets up, he's rattled, and he proposes. So kudos to, uh, to, kudos to Roxy. That's a, that's a very MMA moment. Hopefully that was on uh, your show, uh, Brian. I don't know if you did it, MK today, but that should be uh, in the have you seen this blank No, we, we had a guy... Uh, might he might have lost he might have literally lost his head in a tree cutting accident i didn't do enough research beforehand to see if he if he perished but uh i hear bad things <laughs> fingers crossed who's your pick for newcomer he, of the year he's okay. well what are what are the correct parameters is this a ufc only question uh, you, you can you can do what you want to do i mean you have if you've done the research and you have uh, something that you want to throw out there feel free Okay, because within the UFC, isn't Michael Chandler the newcomer of the year? Yeah, he went one and two, but he damn near almost won the lightweight title and knocked the guy down in the first round, proved right away that he can that he's willing to accept all kinds of short notice, big fights, danger, whatever it takes, and he's in every single one of these fights and is one of the most exciting to watch. Michael Chandler, to me, was the newcomer of this year, but uh, you know, globally, MMA-wise, in terms of newcomer of somebody that blew me away, good God, Usman Nurmagomedov under the Bellator banner and obviously the cousin of Habib, uh, he's going to be the champion real soon in Bellator, it feels like, and even though they've got a loaded uh, uh, group of newcomers over there as well, but uh, he just looks to be the goods top to bottom. Yeah, they've got the young Magomed Sharapov. They've got uh, Usman Nurmagomedov. Bellator is just, they they're, keep filling up that cupboard. Uh, Sean, who's your newcomer of the year? Yeah, I, I'm surprised. I have to agree with BC. I thought I might be the only one going off the UFC board here for this, but I, I have to go with Usman Nurmagomedov as well. I mean, we've been hearing about this guy for a while now. You you, you talk to anybody in that group. Uh, they've been hyping this man up for a while, and he is 23 years old, and he made his debut this year in the big show in Bellator 3-0. and and the last two were just savage, man. Like, this guy is a future champion in waiting uh, over at Bellator, and he looks like a legitimate force in this lightweight division. I'm excited to see the future of Usman Nurmagomedov. Well, I'm gonna stick with safe, the, yeah, I'm going to stick with the UFC. Uh, I like Jeff Molina a lot. This, this is a guy who is often an assistant coach with James Krause. The kid just eats, sleeps, and breathes mixed martial arts. He's only 24 years old. Looked really good in his first two fights against Ayuri uh, Killing. I thought that was a really great performance earlier in the year. I know I mentioned that uh, earlier in the show. Uh, and then he had a, another statement performance towards the end of the year. I just think Jeff Molina is a guy that we should watch in the flyweight division. Again, still very young, on the rise. Um, 
this isn't a year that had a lot of really clear-cut, I guess, prospects in the UFC. Like, I, I thought that uh, Casey O'Neill's a good pick, Aaron Blanchfield's a good pick. Uh, so I'm going to go just kind of with, a, with somebody who I believe has some good upside in Jeff Molina. Uh, upset of the year. Anybody have anything other than Pena over Nunes? Because I don't really think there is one. Um, all right, let's move on then. Uh, so last year we did well, our, shout, out, uh, shout out to Glover. Shout out to Glover. Though. Yeah, shout out to Glover. Yeah, Glover's a great pick. Just I don't know if it was that big, as big of an upset, but it's, man, I mean, I don't think anybody would have predicted that Glover was going to be the champion uh, at the end of this year. Uh, all right, hot takes from last year. Let's take a look at some of these hot takes because some of them some of them came to fruition. We'll start with the one-star hot takes uh, before we give our one-star hot takes. So the way that I break this down is a one-star hot take is pretty unlikely that it's going to happen. Two stars is very unlikely that's going to happen. And the three stars is, well, if it happens, hell's frozen over. Um, so first, uh, the, the one-star predictions. Mike Bond, no champ champs in Bellator or the UFC. And I believe you're correct, unless I'm forgetting anybody. I was trying to think about it earlier, but I don't think we have any champ champs right now. Uh, so good pick wow. by Mike Bond. Wow. Well uh, done. That's a good one. <laughs> Mark and Sean, Khabib faces GSP, didn't happen. Brian Campbell, Bella, who, who works sometimes for Bellator and is under the Showtime umbrella, just completely whiffed on this one. Bellator signs Anderson Silva and launches a light heavyweight Grand Prix, and so none of those things happen. And uh, I predicted that Tony Ferguson moves to welterweight, and I think in the coming days we'll find out whether or not that's true. That could still happen by the end of the year, uh, because apparently I mean, he has the light, light heavyweight, the light heavyweight Grand Prix happened. Was there a light heavyweight Grand Prix? That was this year. Okay, the light heavy- well, I think that was already announced, right? Or was it not? I don't think so, no, but okay. I'm not sure. So yeah, BC had the internal memos. I, I figured give him half points. I got, I got your know. back, BC. I got right, your back. There you go. Very much. I mean, it, it was so forgettable that I just, I'm just joking. All right, uh, wow. one star take. Let's start with you, uh, Sean. Uh, so this one's a pretty lukewarm take, in particular considering all we've talked about so far. But I, I, I'll throw it out there. I mean, to me, Juliana Pena, there, there is a road, right? So for my one star take, I'm going. Juliana Pena will come back. She will fight Amanda Nunes again, and she will win. Once again, which will then lead to this situation unfolding. Valentina Shevchenko coming back up to 135 pounds, capturing her second title. And all of a sudden, we have a real debate here about the greatest female fighter of all time. Is it Valentina? She ends the year champ champ. What if Pena beats both of them in uh, in 2022? Where does Pena then rank? Like, if if, if she beats Nunes in a rematch, <laughs> Shevchenko imagine? moves up, and Pena beats that. Shevchenko in the re- in her rematch with Shevchenko, what happens? Like, where do we where do we put her in the mix? I mean, it's, it's, and then maybe he goes up to 45 and faces Kayla Harrison in 2023. Juliana Pena, the goat that we never expected. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, BC, what's your one-star pick? Look, UFC's got a problem there with almost like too many women's divisions. And obviously, you know, the joke is that ever since the UFC women's featherweight division was created, they still haven't put rankings in the, uh, up on their website. And that's true right now at UFC.com slash rankings. So what do we do? Do we get rid of the division? No, I think they should turn that into a women's heavyweight division. I've pitched this in various ways in the past and said, you know, maybe 135 to 165. But I think what they should really do, knowing that Kayla Harrison can come and that this is a big deal. Yes, she's proven in one fight she can make 145. But why should she have to? Instead, they should change the featherweight division to the women's heavyweight division, have it be an open division above 145 pounds, put a back-end weight limit like they do at men's heavyweight just in case, but I think it's going to open the door because we can't find 10 great fighters at 145 globally to put in this rankings. So it's going to open the door for a different type of of MMA fighter to emerge where there isn't a chance really now. Um, It could get pretty interesting. Dana White opening an open weight women's division is a three-star hunt. Like, that's just not going to happen. Like, it, there's no way that he's going to do that. And well, I'm not it, saying the, it's a bad idea. I'm just saying that Dana White would never sign off on it. that. 
AB, there's a softer way to do it, and that's just say, okay, women's featherweight is now women's heavyweight, but it goes from 145 to 165. That's a soft way to do or it. Or 136, right? 136 to 150. Yeah, 136. Yeah, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I love the idea. I just don't think that Dana White would ever sign Well, look, if Kayla's going to be the face of their operation for the next decade, which is a chance, why not let her fight at her best weight? Women's heavyweight, 155. There you go. And then uh, they can sign Gabby Garcia to face her in the, in the Openweight Championship. Uh, all right, uh, Mike. I am going to say that Habib Nurmagomedov's Eagle FC puts on a pay-per-view event that cracks 100,000 buys. I know historically non-UFC promotions, that's kind of the benchmark of success if they're going on pay-per-view. And uh, I think Habib, they obviously have deep resources financially. Uh, they're starting to scoop up some some decent names. And I think eventually they're going to try to go on that pay-per-view platform and they're going to do a solid number with a solid card at some point in this coming year. Well, they could break 500,000 if they do that Abdu Rozik versus Hasbula fight. And then they could, uh, they could make it even higher if they do Khabib versus Bear. Khabib versus Bear, those 500,000, no problem. You never know. The uh, options are <laughs> Mark, your one-star hot take. Uh, I'm going to say, I actually, I, I really, I just wanted to go back to BC's uh, idea. I love that idea a lot. Um, I do think it is unlikely because not only would it need the UFC's approval but it would need it would need the abc's approval it would need the commissions to also go along with that you know kind of breaking up those weight classes and making them like an open weight um but i would love to see that i would love to see you know pull the 135ers the 145ers even like the three 155ers that exist and put them all in the same division and have them fight it out i think i like that idea a lot that is not my my first hot take though my my uh, my one star hot take is that a major ufc star a, a someone who has headlined the ufc event before recently in the last few years will depart the UFC and fight Jake Paul in a boxing match. That is my hot take. I don't know Nate who it will be. Nate yeah. Diaz has, <laughs> Nate one, Nate has Diaz. one fight left, but we'll see. He was, he, was at the, he was at the fight, you know, over the weekend. But I do think someone, whether it be him or someone else, will leave the UFC and fight Jake Paul. All right. Uh, I'm just going to pull up my one and, and not and not and not and just to be clear, not get cut. I mean, leave as a free agent for the for the first time because Woodley was cut. That's a different circumstance. I'm saying he is someone is going to choose the Jake Paul fight over resigning re with the UFC. Yeah, I, I think Nate Diaz would probably be the, the top candidate for that. Uh, we'll have to see if, if that plays out. Um, and I mean, Mike Perry kind of could have done that, too, probably like he, he cut, walked away as a free agent. So he's he's kind of paving the way. Maybe he's a pioneer of sorts uh, in this space. Um, my, my one star hot take is that Conor McGregor's return fight is for the lightweight championship. You know, regardless of the outcome of uh, the Gaethje versus Oliveira fight, I think that Conor can easily talk his way into getting a lightweight title fight uh, just because uh, of his drawing power and, and the leverage that he kind of has over the UFC. You know, a lot of people don't really talk about how he's kind of the only fighter that has real leverage over the UFC because he's such a big payday. I think that one of the big reasons for the UFC's success this year is because they were able to have two Conor events in a calendar year. Um, so that's going to be my, my one-star hot take. Two-star hot take, um, Mike Vaughn, his his hot take, which he was very tongue-in-cheek about, said, the Ultimate Fighter returns and adds a fresh coat of paint and gets everybody interested again, and then afterwards said he believes that it'll actually be the opposite and it'll be the exact same old. So his <laughs> prediction was correct, but the hot take was incorrect. Uh, Mark Raimondi's was that the UFC starts a 165-pound division, and that's that's banned from the answers for this year because everybody every year somebody says that. It's just not going to happen in the UFC. Habib um, got there first. Yeah. Uh, Brian Campbell. Uh, Daniel Cormier comes out of retirement to face John Jones for the heavyweight championship. That, of course, is a very hot take. And Sean Alshadi, he does it. Nails a second, uh, a two-star hot pick. Both Diaz brothers compete in 2021. 
Let's he, he go. Does it. He nails it. I, wow. I don't know if anybody's really ever hit a two-star hot take before, so uh, good on you. And I like that. Uh, oh, and mine was that the UFC hosts an event at Allegiant Stadium, which also did not happen. Uh, all right, two-star hot takes. Mark. Ooh, okay. So I think that you kind of you kind of stole my hot take because you said McGregor uh, will get the title shot. And uh, I do agree with you. I think that will happen. I do think he's return fighters for the title. And it, it also kind of piggybacks on, on one of the things I said before. He has two fights left on his contract. But if somehow the UFC can get him to be a champion, Champions Clause kicks in and you, you can get to keep Connor for longer. So there is there is a financial reason, even on top of the the big, you know, one fight payday that, that he would he would bring in. And that is to keep him under contract for, for longer if he wins, which, you know, that might be a difficult uh, task, but it's a possibility. My my two star hot take is the UFC will add a women's 105 pound division next year. I think it could be the second best women's division uh, in, in the world after 115. I think there's a lot of good women's atom weights out there. And I think that this will be the year. I mean, it's unlikely, of course. That's why it's a two-star hot take. But I do think that the time is right to add one of those divisions in, into the UFC right now. Women's 105. Who's the best 105 in the world? Is it Zapatella? I, I'm not just not. I don't have my finger on the pulse of the Adam Wade women's. Division. I mean, it could be. It could be uh, Zapatella is the Invicta champion. Ayaka Hamasaki is really good over in Japan. Yeah. Um, although Hamasaki she's getting up feels there. Like the answer. What's that? I said Hamasaki feels like the answer to me, at least. Hamasaki is the answer. She I, she has a win over Zapatella, but also uh, Sohiham. Sohiham might actually be the best out of out of all of them. She has a win over Hamasaki in the last couple of years, but um, she was in the one the one atom weight Grand Prix is not Grand Prix isn't even atom weight. It's one fifteen because of one's rule. So kind of a misnomer for us here in the United States. It's really a one hundred and fifteen pound Grand Prix. I would like to see a 105-pound division. Some of those fighters from one could possibly, uh, you know, compete in that in that division for the UFC. But I, I think that I think that would be a smart move for them to add another women's division. I think there are, are there is talent there. All right, Mike, two-star hot take. So this ties into what I was saying earlier with my prediction for the heavyweight title. Uh, my two-star hot take is Francis Ngannou will leave the UFC as the reigning heavyweight champion. I think he is going to beat Cyril Gan. I think his contract is going to be extended. And he'll either have another fight, maybe a Derek Lewis rematch, uh, and then he'll be gone. He'll win, he'll have that belt around his waist, and he'll part ways, and it'll be a really unique situation. Honestly, I think that uh, that relationship between the UFC and uh, Nganu and his management is very fractured at this point. I do not think there's a point of repair, and I think uh, he is going to win this fight, and we're going to be seeing something so beyond unprecedented what we've seen before, and we're going to have a reigning champion who becomes a free agent. It's just so crazy that they can't pay this guy more. Like, it's ridiculous. Is like, it's, he's it's the, so he's the baddest man on the planet, and he's he beats everybody in the most spectacular of fashions. It's just unbelievable that they can't come to some sort of uh, agree, mutual agreement that's going to make them both a lot of money. Uh, Brian, look, I spent ten years believing the second John Jones moves up to heavyweight, he's going to instantly win the title and maybe never lose at heavyweight. So my two star take after what's been a really rough year for him in a lot of ways, and also Ngannou just proving to be even better than we thought, is this: John Jones actually never wins a UFC heavyweight fight, and he exits the next calendar year looking for a soft padded big money return to 205 against any old blown up middleweights. It's very possible that he goes in there, whether it's for the title in his first fight or in or in some type of you know Stipe or Derek Lewis welcome to heavyweight that he can lose by knockout. I think he has the, the potential on this two-star hot take to 
lose once, maybe even twice by knockout at heavyweight and just be like, this is not for me. Uh, it, some of that is understandable given his time off and all the distractions in his life. But I just feel like his run of Teflonness is is coming to an end because it comes to the end for everybody who has sustained trouble. Uh, I feel like he's entering a bad karma stretch here where we're going to see um, him take the kind of L's that he's been able to avoid. I worry you might be right about that one. Uh, Sean? So my initial two-star hot take was maybe steps. Uh, Mark stepped on it a tiny bit with his one-star take, so maybe I'll audible here. But my initial one was going to be Nate Diaz is that guy. He's that guy who's going to leave the UFC, box Jake's Paul, Jake Paul in 2022. And maybe here's the hot take. I feel like he's going to lose that fight. And then we're all going to be really sad. It's going to be a very depressing scene. Uh, but I'll, I'll audible. I'll switch up real fast on the fly. Alex Pereira. He's going to come in here. He's going to win one or two more fights. He's going to be shoe shoehorned into a title fight against Izzy. And he's going to stun the world. That's my two-star take. All right. I like. I would love to see Alex Pereira face, face Izzy. But uh, I think he has probably needs to win another one or two fights. But he's 34, right? So, I mean, the time kind of is now for Alex Pereira if they're going to do a fight like that. And they're starting to run out of, I guess, different contenders at, at middleweight. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, my two-star pick. Uh, is that it's kind of a mild sauce version, unfortunately, of, of Brian's one-star pick. But it's that the UFC actually builds a women's featherweight division, that we have rankings, that they, they sign an influx of women at 145 pounds in order to usher in the Kayla Harrison era of that division. Uh, not the craziest of takes, but given how we've seen the 145-pound division play out in the last, I don't know, four years, when they had Cyborg, who was like arguably at the time the, the best women's fighter in the world under their umbrella, and they, they couldn't really build anything around her, I think that maybe... The ties are going to change if they're going to have a successful business relationship with Kayla Harrison. Uh, all right, three-star takes. Let's see what we had last year. Mike Bond has the take that everybody has. Uh, we, we have this take every year that uh, once things get back to normal, Dana White steps down, citing that he's conquered everything that he's needed to uh, as UFC president. Seems like every year somebody's three-star pick is that Dana White resigns. Uh, Mark Raimondi, John Jones. Yeah. John Jones <laughs> faces Brock Lesnar at heavyweight. That didn't happen, of course. Brian Campbell, Ronda Rousey comes out of retirement to face Misha Tate. And while that isn't right now, like at the time, with Juliana Pena as the champion, like stranger things have happened, right? Um, Sean Alshadi, McGregor wins and defends the lightweight belt. Uh, neither of those things happen. And mine was that Hamza Shamaya fights for titles in two different divisions. Now, of course, that didn't happen. He had one fight in all of 2021. Uh, all right. Three-star uh, picks. Mark, you're up. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow Mike Bond's uh, pick from last year, his three star take, and I think that I don't think Dana White steps down this year, but he announces toward the end of 2022 that 2023, the 30 year anniversary of the UFC, will be his final year, and that it'll be like a like a, a going away tour. The whole 2023, it'll be a it'll be an enormous year, anniversary year, Dana White's final year. It'll just it'll kind of set off a huge. Yeah, you know, 2023 campaign for for the UFC, and that it'll be Dana's last year. All right, Mike Bond, what is your three star hot take? Wow, uh, I wasn't expecting that from Mark, but I, I did not double down on last year. I, but since we have had some Jake Paul uh, crossover in this conversation, I think it's going to be that the UFC uh, does some sort of co-promotion with Jake Paul. Uh, I don't know what it's going to look like. It'll be a, obviously a boxing event. I don't think Jake Paul to uh, Jorge Masvidal's dismay is going to be signing a UFC contract to fight mixed martial arts. But I think now that Jake Paul is finished with his Showtime contract, he's going to be looking into some other moves. And I think to make 
one of these fights happen, whether it's Nate Diaz, who maybe ultimately sticks with the UFC and they work that into the negotiations. I think there's going to be some sort of Jake Paul fight that has UFC branding, UFC crossover of some sort involved with it. BC, you're up. And I, I mean, hey, if, if Luke Thomas and Ariel Hawani can become friends again, anything can happen in this space. Uh, so what is your three star hot take? It's very similar to two previous ones said. Uh, so here's the deal. What's going to happen? Uh, they're going to say, hey, Jake Paul, why don't you fight somebody that actually has a chance to beat you? He's going to fight Anderson Silva in boxing, and he's going to stop Anderson Silva and shock the world. And what that's going to mean for Dana White is for the first time, he can't ignore Jake Paul anymore, or he's got to take counter action because he loves him some Anderson Silva at the end of the day. So what Dana does in 2022, he looks into his cupboard. He says, who's the best I got here? Who am I going to put in there to end this and to co-promote? and bring somebody in to finish Jake Paul. He tries Adesanya, but Adesanya doesn't want to do it. So he says, Kamaru, I know you're you're close to retiring anyway. You deserve this. Kamaru Usman boxes Jake Paul with the UFC as the co-promoter. All right, I like it. I mean, <laughs> we're in this together, guy. Brian. Let's very, go. Very hot take. Uh, Sean Alshadi. I was very, very tempted to go the 2020 Mike Bond route and the 2021 Mark Romani route and say that Dana White will either announce his retirement or sort of set the table for that. Uh, but I'll, I'm going to go in a similar route as I think a lot of these guys. Uh, for my three-star take, I think some form of coalition of whether it's a Nate Diaz type figure, a Francis Ngannou type figure, whatever, some sort of collection of these type of guys is going to finally have enough, say enough's enough and they're going to go outside of the UFC once their contracts are done, and they're going to hold their own show, uh, similar in the way that Connor has talked about wanting to do in the past. And it's actually going to be really successful. That is that is my three-star take. Is there, these guys are going to go throw their own show out, and uh, it's actually going to kind of work. And we're going to have to be left trying to figure out what that means in the grand scheme of things. I know Dana White and Bob Arum don't have a lot in common, but if there's one thing they're going to have in common, Dana White's going to be around until he's like 90 running the UFC. So I don't, I don't expect an exit anytime. He just loves it too much. Why, why would Dana White walk away? What's, what's the reason? Like, fair. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Nobody really has much to say about that. New projects, new projects. Okay. All right. My, uh, my hot take show also, on the food network. I heard. My hot take is also Jake Paul related. I think that he re-ups with Showtime and headlines a Bellator pay-per-view fighting an MMA for the first time. Uh, Jake Paul uh, decides to make the move over. He did wrestling in high school and wants to test those chops out and uh, enter the world of mixed martial arts against somebody that Bellator throws at him. I mean, Bellator's never been afraid to throw guys that are 0-3 against somebody who's making an MMA debut. And I think people would pay to see Jake Paul, and you can stack that card up with great Bellator talent and and get lots of new eyeballs on, uh, on their brand. Oh man, so somewhere out there, some right now, Scott Coker's having to change his pants and he doesn't know why. <laughs> so, so Jake Paul takes a massive pay cut in 2022. Yeah. Like a part of a Showtime deal. It would be all part of the same deal, same boxing deal. No, that's not how it works, though. In, in boxing, you get to negotiate every fight individually. And in MMA, there's no Ali Act, so yeah, it wouldn't Jake work Paul that way. Jake Paul is his own sport. He transcends combat sports, he makes the rules. He is combat <clears throat> sports. Maybe he so. is combat Maybe sports. Maybe so. He is an emotion. <laughs> All right. Frankly, uh, we needed some Jake Paul picks for fighter of the year. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Mike, you're most looking forward to in 2022, uh, either book but, or... By the way, be- it's, it, it's, su- it's super ridiculous that, like, we've been talking for 90 minutes and Jake Paul has come up, like, like 10 times <laughs> during an MMA discussion. I mean, could you imagine that a year ago? I mean, it's completely absurd, but this is where we are. 
I mean, I'm only half joking. With you. I mean, he's done a good job. He's done what he's wanted to do. I'm only joking with the fighter of the year talk. I mean, at least <laughs> traffic driver of the year, he definitely wins. It's just crazy how how much how obsessed the MMA world is with this guy at this point. He's how done many, it. How many of you guys thought it. that the whole thing was gonna die on Saturday until that knockout? Like, it seemed like the the balloon was about to burst. Mm -hmm. The air, yeah. the air was like coming out of the building. It was uh, people were more into the Serrano fight than than they were the Paul Woodley fight because nothing was going on except for clinching, and then. Dude hit a one hitter quitter, and and now we're looking at a, a lot more Jake Paul in twenty two because of that. A lot, a lot yeah, more. Imagine how much money he made off of that one punch, and how much money Kyron oh, Woodley God. subsequently lost off of that one punch. Unbelievable, Ugh, rough. Uh, all right, fight you're most looking forward to in twenty twenty two that uh, either is booked now or is likely to be booked uh, by the UFC. Uh, we'll start off with uh, with you, Mark. I mean, this is probably uh, this is not going to be uh, me going out on a limb, but. Nganu versus Gone is just I am so excited for that one because of not only are they the best heavyweights in the world but they had that history I mean the, the capturing of Nganu walking by Gone and coach Fernando Lopez backstage at the UFC event recently was really kind of a glimpse into what that relationship is which is which is not much there is bad blood there I'm so fascinated by that so it has the stakes it has the skill it has the backstory I mean it has the fact that both of them you know kind of came up under under Lopez as a coach in Paris, it just has all the makings of, of being a classic fight, and uh, and I really can't wait to see that one. Mike, uh, that's obviously you know a great fight. It's the first pay per view headliner of the year, so and gone and gone. Uh, that one is not going to fault anyone for picking that one, but I'm going to go with uh, Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker. That fight to me, it was so fascinating the first time around. It didn't really play out the way we had hoped in terms of competitiveness, but I think this time it's going to be a different story, just mainly because of Robert Whitaker. I think he is in such a better place physically, mentally. Uh, I think the image of Adesanya being this unbeatable, undefeated figure is washed away. We've seen him lose, at, albeit at a higher weight class, but there, there's a path now, an unknown path. So I think Robert Whitaker is going to come into this fight a lot more confident, and it's just going to produce a way better matchup. Not saying he's going to beat Izzy in this one, but I think we're going to get the fight in this one that we thought we would get the first time around. All right, BC. Yeah, that's the pick right there. And I think the second fight between Adesanya and Whitaker is going to end up being your fight of the year. Will it be as good as the Gastelum was? Well, for Izzy, not that batshit crazy, but it's going to be a great fight. Why at the end of the day? Can we write down where I swore back? I'm sorry about that. Why at the end of the day? Because I think these two, Whitaker and Adesanya, are going to go down in history as the second and third greatest middleweights in UFC's uh, long decorated history. I think they're that great, and I hope we get a trilogy out of this this calendar year. I said it. I hope Robert Whitaker wins because I think these two, this rivalry, it's supposed to happen. It's destined. Thank you. The oceanic rivalry. Uh, Sean? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with these last two fellas. Izzy and Robert Whitaker, too, for me, is I cannot wait for that. I have loved every step Robert Whitaker has take, uh, taken, I should say, since that October 2019 fight against Izzy. He's looked sensational in doing it. The Darren Till, the Jaron Karanier, Kevin Kelvin Gastelum, all of these fights, he has just been a dominant force, and he does feel as if something just mentally has changed with him too a little switch has been flipped and in you know he, he's talked about it himself he's, he's a very candid guy right he's very honest with us he's talked about going into that fight the emotions that, that he was feeling and, and the nerves and the stress it was that big stadium show i feel like he's gonna be much much more ready for it much more prepared for it and i cannot wait 
for that rematch. It's perfect there so, timing. There are so many good title fights that are on the horizon right now. I'm going to go with Oliveira versus Gaethje. I just don't see how that fight can cannot deliver on every single possible level. Like It's just such a combustible uh, engine with these two guys. They're both going to walk forward. They're both going to look for their openings. Gaethje's going to throw absolute bombs at Oliveira. He's going to have to figure out a way to survive them. Uh, I, that's just going to be such a war of attrition. I can't wait for that one. Uh, that fight's some... not booked, Aaron. I said booked or expected to be booked. I mean, Dana White said that Gaethje's next in line, so it's mm. it's a foregone conclusion, mm. is it not? I mean, uh, foregone conclusion might be a little bit uh, Did you also know was going to get the next title shot, though? What's that, Mike? Was it wasn't one of your hot takes that Connor gets the next title shot? Or no, I said his else? next fight will be a title shot. Not that okay. he's going to get the next title shot. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah, it's suspicious, <laughs> suspicious. Uh, dream fight of 2022. Uh, Sean, what's your dream fight of 2022? If you could put one fight together in the UFC, what would it be? I'm not sure if I'm repeating myself from last year. I'm not sure what I said last year. I might have said I might have said Habib GSP, but if I didn't, I said this one, and this one now is my dream fight for 2022. It's Francis Ngannou and John Jones. For all the reasons that we've talked about over the last hour and a half, uh, we've been fascinated with John Jones at heavyweight forever. And again, I repeat, I think Francis Ngannou is going to go down as the greatest heavyweight of all time by the time all this is done. I just want to see it. And I don't know if we're going to see it. So, And I feel really unsure if we're going to see it. So I, I just want to see it. I'm putting it out into the earth. I'm putting it out into the ether. Let's make it happen. All right, BC, your dream fight for 2022. You know, I think I got a highbrow pick and a lowbrow pick. The big one is Usman uh, against Chimaev because I actually want to see Chimaev get the title shot before we really find out who he actually is. And I never want to see that. I'm the guy who's saying, you know, Darren Till got that title shot too early. I'm always the guy who wants you to prove it. But there's just something about Chimaev's raw uh, potential that just jumps off the board that, that, you know, Usman is literally one of the greatest fighters in history watching him play out this epic run. I think that storyline-wise and expectations, that would be incredible if they fought sooner rather than later. And my lowbrow pick, let's not sleep on it, Conor McGregor, Tony Ferguson is going to be sloppy good. I, I need that in my life. That's the BC gas station special for, uh, for yes. 2022. Uh, we've got uh, Mike Bon up. What's your, uh, your dream fight for 2022? I would love to see every single fight those guys mentioned. I had a different one written down, and it would be uh, Piotr Jan versus a returning Henry Cejudo. That would be an unbelievable fight. We were talking about how great the bantamweight division is, all that kind of stuff. I hope Henry Cejudo is back this year. I hope he's back as an in-shape, focused 35-er. I don't like the 145 thing, even though, uh, you know, obviously it would be a historic achievement for him to win a third belt in the third division. But I still think Henry Cejudo left with so much more to give in this sport. I thought he was really, really coming into his own as a bantamweight fighter, obviously spent a lot of time at flyweight. Uh, I would love to see this fight so much. I think that would be as good as it gets to see how Cejudo would be able to approach Jan and how Jan would approach approach Cejudo. I think that would be incredible. And you know, it's funny because Cejudo probably would have fought Jan next had he not retired. That, that would have been an yep. awesome fight. Uh, Mark? I'm going to have to say Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz. And uh, and <laughs> not even so much the fight itself. <laughs> But can you just can you just you know put in your mind's eye what that fight week would even look like? I mean, Nate Diaz's team is 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 sh- pushing and shoving with Anthony Taylor's team, uh, you know, during during a fight week. Could you imagine Jake Paul's posse and and Nate's posse being in the same environment for a week together during that promotion? I mean, that that is that is seriously combustible. And the two of them together, the trash talk, those press. I mean. Think about that. I mean, that is that is, I mean, that is zany and entertaining, and 
I got to be honest, it's something that I really want to see. And that, that is my dream fight for 2022. As long as nobody... The Helwani tete-a-tete in the middle of those two would be unbelievable television. Could you imagine that? I mean, come on. I mean, I would I would pay 60 bucks just to watch that. As long as Helwani doesn't wear a mask when he's hosting it, then then the Team Diaz will participate. Um, <laughs> we've, we've, uh, we've got... Uh, oh, sorry. Let me give my dream fight for 2022. I actually agree with BC. I think Usman versus Shamayev is the fight that I would most want to see in 2022. Uh, I mean, Shamayev just burst onto the scene and we need to see how real this guy is. I think he's going to fight one more time and then get the title fight. And it's funny. Usman was not the most marketable guy when he became the champion. In fact, far from it. But he keeps falling into these great, like, exciting fights. The fights with Masvidal, I think, were, were big money for the UFC. People were really interested in them. The Covington, uh, both Covington fights did really well for the UFC. The Burns fight didn't do great, but... A Shamaya fight, if he falls into that one, like, I mean, he's just, it's exactly what Woodley wanted when he was the champion. He kept calling out all the big fights, he wants the big fights, big fights, and he just kept taking fights that weren't big fights uh, because he really had no other choice. Usman has gotten really lucky in that regard. Uh, so that's going to be my dream fight for 2022. Uh, who's your surprise fighter for uh, 2021? Uh, Sean, I'll start with you. Surprise fighter 2022, right? Uh, no. Oh, do I, did I have it as 2022? I meant for this, this past year. But I guess I can make it for next year. Who's gonna? Who's going uh, to be your surprise fighter for next year? Oh, well, uh, yeah, I, I definitely. As well. You gave us so much homework. I definitely prepared. Did I say for if I wrote twenty twenty two? That's my bad. You go ahead. Who's your surprise? Who's going to be the surprise fighter next year? Uh, so for me, I singled in on one guy, and that's Terrence McKinney. He didn't really get a chance uh, this year. We saw him really only once in the UFC up on that big stage, and it was seven seconds. And you know, he can't glean much from that. But that's what this guy does. He has a history of these short fights, these first round knockouts. Uh, and we all know his story. He, he seems like a really great dude in general. Uh, and I think he is set up for a big, big year in 2022. And I think we could be talking about him as the breakout fighter of the year this time next year. All right, BC. I think uh, Alexander Volkov's going to jump off the screen this year. He's younger than a lot of people realize at heavyweight. And although he's lost a few, some of those have been real you know, lessons he needed to learn. I feel like he's really coming together and is a bit of a sleeper at the moment. He won't truly enter the title picture until after this year, but I think he's going to beat the type of guys that he would have lost to in the past, but do it dominantly where we're going to close the year going, is he next in line for that heavyweight title? Mike. So considering uh, you gave us the wrong question and it was very unspecified, I feel like this one's extremely open to interpretation. <laughs> well, so well, well, how, said, what did I send you? Did I send you 2022 or It said surprise fight of 2022. So, okay, but so you ahead. didn't say for the good or the bad or whatever. So I kind of went uh, pessimistic for the bad. And I'm going to say Jan Bohovic is going to be our surprise fighter of 2022 for the worse because I think he is going to lose to Alexander Rakic, and I think he's going to get another tough fight with a Ankalaev or an Anthony Smith or something like that, and he's probably going to lose that fight too. So I think we're going to go from Jan Bohovic being the undisputed UFC light heavyweight champion to potentially on a three-fight losing skid by the end of this year. And uh, not trying to wish any bad feelings on the guy, just look at the lay of the land and look at his career, and I think we're going to be kind of surprised where his career is at if he's even still active in the sport at the end of this year. Mark? Wow. I'm going to say uh, uh, for 2022, uh, Movsar Evluev. I think that he has a ton of potential. He's looked like a monster. I was down at American Top Team a few weeks ago, and you know he's training with guys at 155 and 170 there and doing well in the wrestling department with them. He's just a, a beast of a wrestler. His, his stand-up game is coming along. I know he has a, a big fight and a tough fight coming up next against Ilya Taporia, but I, I think that he's going to surprise some people and, and get into the featherweight 
uh, you know, deep into the featherweight rankings and maybe even, uh, you know, get get close to a title shot in 2022 at Blue Up. My surprise fighter of this past year, which I had written down, was Chris Curtis. But I'll, I'll give you one for next year. I think Paul Craig is an interesting one in light heavyweight because he's got a skill set that not a lot of light heavy, heavyweights can defend. He's just so – he's got that kind of slick submission game that has made guys like Glover Teixeira and Charles Oliveira so good that he's just able to catch people in traps. And I'm interested to see what he can do. I feel like he could probably uh, win two or three fights next year and really get into that top five of the UFC uh, light heavyweight division. Uh, so he's a guy, I think, to watch uh, next year. Who do you want to see debut in 2022 in the UFC? I think kind of a lot of us might have the same answer here, but I'll, I'll throw to you, uh, Mark, to wrap this one up. Jake Paul. AJ McKee. AJ McKee is my pick. I would love to see AJ McKee debut in the UFC in 2022. That might be difficult. That might be difficult because he is the champion in Bellator at, at featherweight. But it's not completely out of the question, from what I understand, and uh, and he's and I really just think that you can throw him right now into the deep end of the featherweight pool, and he would do well against just about anybody in that division, whether it's an Ortega or a Volkanovski or a Holloway or a Yair Rodriguez. I think that he is excellent. I think he's one of the best 145ers in the world, and I really would love to see him in, in the UFC. If you were the UFC, would you trade Francis Ngannou? for AJ McKee. They've got the same management. McKee, obviously, a, a lot younger, has more time probably to, to excel in the sport. What, what, would you do that trademark if, they, if, if, you were, if you were the UFC and Bellator proposed it to you? Uh, no, I would not do that. I would, I would pay Francis Ngannou what he wants and then sign AJ McKee as a free agent. Why not, why not have both? You know, there's no reason to trade them. You, need, you can have both. Both of them are freaking good, and I think both of them can, can draw money. Uh, I think Francis Ngannou, uh, you know, if, if put in the right spots, if he knocks out, gone. I think that dude can be one of the biggest stars in the UFC as far as, you know, selling pay-per-views. And I'm not sure what the impasse is, but this is where we are. But no, of course, why not? Why not both? As the, as the GIF uh, says, Aaron. Yeah, so maybe they should just repair the relationship with CAA and maybe make that happen. Uh, Mike? Uh, yeah, I, I love the idea of AJ McKee. Um, I think anyone who was at the World MMA Awards saw him chumming up with Sean Shelby a little bit there at the end of the night. But uh, it, for me, it's got to be Kayla Harrison. I know I said earlier, I think she ends up going to PFL. That's what I think is going to happen. But what I hope happens and what I want to happen is her to be in the UFC, obviously fighting the best fighters and hopefully getting compensated uh, as well or better than she would in PFL. So, yeah, I mean, Kayla Harrison's the one. She's obviously the big free agent out there. Uh, one of the biggest stars or potential stars in the sport, in my opinion. So, yeah, I want to see her where she belongs, and that is in the biggest promotion on earth. BC. Kayla Harrison is the answer, but, you know, Mike just nailed that, so I'm not going to regurgitate. But I will say, Patricio Pitbull at 34, I, I kind of like to see him have almost like a Michael Chandler type effect as a free agent going to the UFC and then just being the perfect B-side across two divisions for – as a killer for any, you know, big name, uh, he could do, he could make spectacular fights and, and, uh, you know, he's, deserved, he's earned it. He's earned it at this point in his career. Patricio and Amanda Nunes probably had the worst year of anybody in terms of like where their, their stock in UFC in like, uh, in MMA. I think a lot of people were talking about Patricio, like he was a top three pound for pound, like not top three pound for pound, but top three featherweight. And like one of the pound, pound for pound best guys in the sport. And now he's like almost an afterthought, which is really uh, kind of sad. Uh, Sean, yeah, I, I have to. I, I'm a big AJ McKee guy. I'm as big of a fan of him as anybody. And I, to me, he's a top three guy, featherweight in the world, no question. He's right in that same tier with Max and uh, Volka or Volkanovski. But I kind of, I would like to see him stay in Bellator. Like the, Bellator needs to have some guys to be able to build around. And to me, he's one of the only few they have that is really, really compelling. So for me, I went maybe a little bit off the board. Maybe it's a little bit of recency bias, considering we just saw it. But 
Roberto Soldic out there in KSW, man, that, that man is a monster. And we just saw it against Kalidov this weekend. He is 26 years old, double champion now in KSW, 14 and one over his last 15, and they're all KOs. There's only one decision in there. Like this guy goes in there and he murders people and he avenged his only loss against Druskis Duplicis. So to me, I would love to see Soldik make his way over into the UFC and, and see what he can do. Kind of like we're seeing now Mateus Gamrot doing same place. Yeah, nobody's ever beaten Khalidov like that. That was really, that was actually almost tough to watch. Not as tough as watching Woodley lose in the fashion that he did, but it was up there. Uh, all right, thank you guys. I appreciate this. Hopefully we can do this again next year. Uh, 2022 has so many big fights ahead, and it was nice to uh, get to, to hash those out with you as well as talk about the year that was. I want to congratulate uh, you for your, I guess, uh, Mark and, uh, and uh, BC for your recent awards. And, of course, uh, I, th I think you guys have definitely earned those, and it's, it's a pleasure to have all of you heavy hitters on with me on a, on a yearly basis. Hope to do it again next year. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody out there, and uh, we'll see you next year. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.